We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to a special edition of Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday night. That means it is film room time. And we tonight we're going to talk about offensive linemen, right? And we talked about offensive line on Monday's show, and we talked about the recruiting aspect of the offensive line. So tonight is going to be complementary to that. And then we're going to try, not locked in stone yet, we're going to try on Saturday to do another film room breakdown because if we broke down all the offensive linemen on the film, we'd have to make one of two decisions. One, we have to give really short stuff, which I don't, you know, I don't think either of you are capable of that when we're talking about breaking down film. And number two, uh, we make this a four-hour show, and I, I have no desire to do that tonight. So, oh, you uh, don't? Talk- you don't want to be on no. here for four hours with me? Oh, not okay. tonight. No, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I've had some four-hour shows. I've had a lot of fun. Wish I couldn't stop. We were having a lot of fun yesterday, and we got to about three hours. I was like, dude, we got to stop this because you got to go, and I got stuff to do. But tonight, no, it's just been one of those days, you know. So. We're going to talk about offensive tackles tonight, and we're going to dive into the film. And, and Ryan, we talked a little bit the other day about how important it is for Notre Dame to land two top tackles in this class, two talented tackles. Whether it's when we talk about top, we're not talking about rankings. I don't care about rankings. We'll go over the rankings tonight just to give some context for you all, but I don't care about rankings. Ronnie Stanley was barely a top 200 player. Liam Eikenberg was rivals thought was was a three star until the end of the process. And they jumped him up to barely top 200. Mike McGlinchey was barely top 200 player. It's about talent and upside. So that's what we're going to dive into tonight. Some of these guys that we like are highly ranked and some of them aren't. And we're going to dive into that tonight. But before we begin with the specific players, Ryan, as we evaluate offensive linemen, let's talk a little bit about when we pop in film. Right. So like what I have, I'm going to pull it up right now when we're talking. I actually have what I call a film eval shell and I pull it up. It's I got one for each position. And what I do is I break it down and I have things that I look at for each player. And so quarterbacks, I have a shell offensive linemen. I have a shell. Actually, let me rephrase offensive tackles. I have one offensive interior players. I have a different one. I have one for receivers. So let's talk about it, Ryan. And it begins really with size. And when we talk about size, it's twofold. One is length. And the other is potential for mass. I don't care so much about height. We've seen 6'6 guys like Liam Eikenberg be a little short-armed. We've seen 6'2 guys like Isaiah Wynn be really long-armed guys. It's about the length that we care about. Now, a combination of both is great. 
but we're more talking about length and then mass potential. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, it's said perfectly. And I, I want people to understand the the big difference between that length, right? Because I think a lot of people think about the heights of a player and that doesn't matter as much, man. Like I'm worried about what the arm length is. I'm worried about the, what the wingspan is. Like you said, Isaiah Wynn has a good wingspan for his height. I think of a guy like a Gene DeLance that came out of, that's coming out of Florida this year, despite only being six, three plus he is, he has like 36 inch arms, right? So he's got a massive wingspan. And why does that matter? I think is the more important question, Brian, like why is does length mm-hmm. matter so much? Yep. Because when you're going to get guys, and I know we're talking about from a Notre Dame perspective, so this isn't perfect, but like I'm thinking NFL, you're going against guys like Miles Garrett, Von Miller, like these super explosive bendy edges that can cover well, so it, it matters. It, let, let me let me interrupt you real quick, Ryan, because it does matter at Notre Dame. Because what is Notre Dame recruiting for? They're not recruiting to beat Navy, they're not recruiting to beat Stanford anymore, they're not recruiting to beat Syracuse and UNLV. They're recruiting to beat Bama, they're recruiting to beat Clemson, they're recruiting to beat Ohio State. Well, those guys you mentioned are the play Will Anderson, right? I mean, Trayvon Walker. I mean, you know, a few years ago, it was Joey Bose on one side and Sam Hubbard on the other side when you're playing Ohio State. So to win those games, you do need that. So I do think, yes, it's 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 even more discussed in the NFL level. But when you're talking about recruiting Notre Dame and you're trying to beat those teams, then, yeah, those things matter. So you continue what you're saying. But I, I do I don't want you to undersell the import because I know you believe it. Sure. Undersell the importance of why it matters at Notre Dame. It's the difference between being able to I mean, look, you can dominate the navies and the UNLVs and all that, but do you have the skill set to dominate? And that's what everything we evaluate on tonight is going to be evaluating the, whether or not these players have the ability to project to play again at that level. That's right. Be for this. Yeah. I mean, so basically like the guys that I'm talking about are incredible athletes, outside track rushers who have just dynamite speed, right? Like they can win around the, around the track, with incredible explosion. And th- in that case, man, like we need we need that length because you are just covering so much more grounds when you're setting and when you're trying to get your punch to the outside. Or else, a guy like Yvonne Miller, like I said, he's going to go shit. He's going to run right past you on the outside track. Like that's easy. And a lot of a really easy way to tell if a guy has good length outside of just looking at his arm reach when he's kind of punching outside is the guys that usually overset one of two things, either they have bad foot quickness and they're overcompensating to get outside or they don't have length and they have to really just contort their body and start to turn. And that's where you see them get hit with a lot of inside moves. So length matters so much for offensive tackle. That's the unteachables that we'll talk about tonight. These Here's what, here's what doesn't matter. Here's what doesn't matter. That. Doesn't matter. No more O-linemen under 6'5". So with that offensive line philosophy, that would mean I got a list of names I'm going to scratch off the list that we're not going to look at anymore. No more Sam Mustafer. No more Robert Hainsey. No more Chris Watt. No more Jarrett Patterson. No more Zach Martin. Out. Got to go because you're not 6'5". Has nothing to do with that. I don't care if you're 6'2". If you have 35-inch arms, I care about that. Caden Madden's problem this year was never he was 6'2". It was he has short arms and he's not athletic. Exactly. I don't care about height. Height doesn't matter nearly as much as length, right? It just doesn't. Now, there there, there comes a point in time, Ryan, where the, the height becomes a problem. If you're a 5'11 left tackle with 35-inch arms, I can't mess with you, right? <laughs> right? But we're he said, he's talking about offensive tackles. Well, Zach Martin was an offensive tackle in college. 
Robert Haynes, he was an offensive tackle in college and a four-year starter. Again, 6'5 doesn't matter. Liam Eikenberg what? is 6'6. He has short arms. Yeah. Right? Well, you can That's you can even ex- you can even extend it to the NFL. I mean, Tristan Wirfs is below 6'5. Tre- Trent Williams is below 6'5. David Bakhtiari is below 6'5. Like they're all 6'4 and some change. Dwayne Brown, who's been a really good player out of Virginia Tech and played with the Seattle Seahawks and the Houston Texans during his career, he's like 6'4 and some change. Mm-hmm. Ika McQuanu is going to be maybe the first offensive tackle off the board. He's 6'4. Length. It's yep. length and wingspan. So those are things that matter. So again, there again, there comes a point in time where I'm not gonna sit there with like five seven and thirty-five inch arms. That's not gonna work for me. But give me a six-three guy with 34-inch arms and, and he's athletic. He can play left tackle for me against anybody. That's just the reality of it. Okay. So it's about the length. That's the key. That's the key. And he just said most elite tackles aren't short. You just listed a bunch of elite tackles. So this conversation is gonna end because it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, next, you kind of get into the strength, right? What are things we look for when it comes to strength? It's not weight room strength. There's two things we look for when it comes to strength, mainly. And, we, and there's different aspects of it. But number one is hand strength, right? And you can kind of see just the heaviness of the hands, right? And then comes that second level power, which is the ability to then extend. That's where people say the bench press doesn't matter. It does for offensive linemen. To me, it does, because that's the one position where you need to be able to bench, you know, to, to get a guy off of you. And then there's the lower body strength. Can you drive? Right. So when we talk about strength, this guy's a strong player. It usually means he's pretty good in those three areas. Right, Ryan? And let's again, we can talk about why that kind of stuff matters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife likes to think of herself as a coffee expert. So when we decided to give Trade Coffees a try, she was excited to see what they had to offer. And we were not disappointed. After figuring out a short quiz that matches you with just the right coffee, we received the Holmes blend from Sparrow's Coffee in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The Nostalgia Series blend that she received from Sparrow's Coffee made an immediate impression as soon as she opened the box. And once she brewed the Holmes blend the next morning, she was able to enjoy a rich, smooth cup of coffee with a very robust flavor. My wife is quite picky about her coffees, but you can be sure that she'll once again be buying from Sparrow's Coffee, and we'll be going back to Trade Coffee for another shot at getting a tasty blend from a regional company. You have to give Trade's Coffee a try. Trade's Coffee team actually tastes thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. What we learned is that Trade Coffee send you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters. Small businesses, 
who pay farmers fair prices to substantially source the greatest beans from around the world. Trace Coffee's experts personally taste over 450 roasts, so they know exactly what to recommend for you. Just answer a couple of questions, and you get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as soon as you like. No gimmicks. Trade delivers a fresh bag of roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew it at home. And they guarantee you'll love your first order or they'll replace it for free. Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee. And right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Yeah, no, we can. I mean, that's that's one of the there's there's really two things outside of the unteachables that I grade most for offense tackles. This is number one, core strength is my biggest thing, right? Like I need that strong core when you deliver a punch. Defense line need to feel it, man. You need to be able to jolt. And then especially when you're working outside track and a guy puts his foot in the ground and is trying to convert speed to power, you need to be able to sit down. I think people think that that's just lower body. No, man. Like you need to extend, get, sit your weight down, tighten that core, and be able to press and lock mm-hmm. out at the point of attack. So core strength for me and flexibility, which I'm sure we'll talk about a, a ton here as mm-hmm. well, but core strength for me is essential because you're out yeah. on an island's one-on-one, and there are some powerful bendy dudes outside right. that are just going to drive you back to the quarterback if you don't have it. So you get into athleticism. There's a lot of things that go in there. This is just pure athleticism. This isn't technical aspects of it. It's obviously burst off the line. It's foot quickness, the ability to not see. Some guys have really good foot quickness out of their stance, but then it comes to the flexibility part because if I'm quick out of my stance, but I'm really heavy, you know, tight-hipped and or I'm heavy-footed, and I plant, and it takes me a while to then redirect on a double move, I lack the, the the quickness to really play that position at a high level. So it comes down to initial quickness. It comes down to uh, we don't really talk about speed. It's more, again, it's more about quickness. You know, can you can you bend? That's another athletic trait. We use the expression, you know, knee benders versus, I don't know if younger people use that, Ryan, but you know, us old heads do. Knee bender, waist bender. You want a guy that's bending at the knees, not at the waist. Some yeah. guys just aren't real good at that. They're just not flexible. That comes that you know, balance is very important. You know, can you and balance is important because if I'm coming at you and we're hand fighting and you give me a good shot in the arm, I need to be have that that not only strength, but the balance to recover and quickly get back into the fight. And that's another part of it. So those are just some of the physical traits that you look for. Now, in some offenses, speed is gonna is gonna matter a little bit more. Short area speed. So if you're an offense that pulls and traps a lot, if you're an offense that gets on the perimeter a lot, there is a level of short area speed that I need to know that you can get out there quick enough. But then when you're out there, can you bend? Can you move? Can you redirect? All those kind of things. So there there is a level of short area speed that matters. It's just like when when we talk about alignment, I. I still don't understand why they have linemen run 40 yards. Have them run 20 and give me the 10-yard split and the 5-yard split, and that's all I, I really care about. I, I only need 10 yards, to be honest. I don't even need to see the – the. I mean, I, I guess we could talk about the uh, – the... I go. T- you know why I say 20? Because I yeah. want a guy to accelerate through the point that I care about. That's fair. Thing. I don't want him, like, dipping his head to kind of find out. You know, like, you know, see when they get to the finish line, they all, like, kind of do that little track thing. I don't care about that. So mm-hmm. I want him running beyond the point I care about. 
So have sure. run 20, then give me the 10 and the five times. That's all yep. I care about at this point in time. Yeah, And if I could add on to just a little bit of the athleticism side of things, I mentioned before flexibility was a huge thing for me. It's it's so important at offensive tackle because guards, like it, for the mar- large majority, because you're always going to see some freaks inside where you're just like, that dude is just a silly athlete, like an Aaron Donald, for instance, right on, on the NFL level. But an, a guard, for the most part, you're going to play against a guy that doesn't redirect as quickly as would an edge rusher, right? But when you're facing up against a guy, again, I'm going to use Miles Garrett as an example because I think he's the most freaky athlete in the NFL right now at the position. He could change direction and hit an inside counter in a blink of an eye. So that flexibility is what I'm talking about because the one thing that I want people to understand is that not every rep is going to be perfect for an offensive lineman. You're not going to hit that kick slide, be at perfect depth, be attached, and just be able to mirror and you're done. So there's going to be some times where your body gets contorted in bad bad positions, but the flexibility you have to kind of reposition yourself and then anchor, that is so important because it is not always going to look pretty. It's but about, I mean, the expression I like to use, Ryan, is get, can you get back in the fight, right? That's the big thing. If you get knocked off, if, like you said, the rep's not perfect, he gets under your pads, can you recover, right? Can you anchor? Exactly. Can you get his hands off of you? You know, do you have that strength to do that? Can you redirect those type of things? I think that's all part of that athletic package. And that's also why length is so important too, Ryan. And, and there was a question up here that I wanted to, to get to about that. Tommy Guns asked, in terms of length, what is good, medium, and bad wingspan? If you can kind of give that number. But that's another reason why, because you'll see it all the time with a really long lineman. Like you'll see Ronnie Stanley do this in the NFL. He did it in, the, in, in college especially early in his career, Ronnie's footwork was not great early on, 13 and 14. Got a lot better by 15. But in 14, there were times when his foot his footwork would get him in trouble, and he would come out, and the guy clearly had him beat off the edge. But he was so long that he could still get hands-on and then recover, right? And that's another reason why that length is, is important. It's not just about when we're coming direct hand-to-hand combat, can I keep you off my body because my arms are longer than your arms? Think about when you're a if you had a younger sibling or somebody else and you mess with them, you put their hand on their your hand on their forehead and they're just swinging and they can't get to you. That's length, <laughs> right? Like that's an arm reach advantage. Similar principle, but you know, in a more grown-up way. If if I got my arms extended and you can't get to my chest, I'm going to win that battle, right? As long as, and that's why you know, when we get to technique, you know, being able to play inside, we don't spend a, we're not going to spend a lot of time on technique because that's a teachable thing, right? The film breakdown we'll do is more so on the unteachables. Sure. Right. Doesn't mean that they can't be improved, but you know, you're not going to go from a four, nine 40 to a four, four 40. If you're a receiver, right. You're not, cause my technique got better, Yeah, you know? Um, but, but that's again, why the, the length is part of that. Re- it's ability to recover. And like I said, mm-hmm. I like to use it. We used to say this all the time as a, as a coach, get back in the fight. You know what I mean? Sure. And it's that it's that principle of because every single play for a lineman is a fight. It, I mean, we, you stand next to offensive linemen competing, and it's a fight. It's a battle. If offensive linemen did in public what they do on the practice field, people are like those two dudes are brawling. And that's what people would say. Yep. Right. So that's the ability to get back in that fight, and so that's why length is so important. Balance, foot quickness. That's why strong hands are important because it's really hard to do that without strong hands. Because like you said about Miles Garrett, and, and, and it's one thing, you use Miles Garrett, I'm going to use the same school, but an older guy, Von Miller, his hand, he was never a super big guy, but his hands were really strong. And when he got his hands on you, you were done. Unless you were one of those few elite linemen that either you could out them or you could really had those strong hands. So most really elite offensive linemen, 
have pretty fast and heavy hands. That's the other thing, too, we didn't talk about, Ryan, when it comes to athleticism. Mm -hmm. It's not just length and heaviness. you got to have some speed. If you're a plotter with your hands, just like you are with your feet, then you're going to lose that because he's going to he, – I may have longer arms, but he's going to get his hands into my chest before I can get my hands on him. Exactly. So that's, exactly. Another, that's another part. I really like to compare line play to boxing. I, I really think it's one of the more ap- appropriate sports correlations, right, because – it's not just about having, a, you know, if, if you're a heavy puncher, but you're a slow puncher, unless I suck, I'm going to be able to kind of get out of the way of those punches, right? It's the it's the ability to combine the hand speed, hand power, agility, balance, the ability to kind of get knocked off, but then get back in the fight, all those things. That's why I really, I use a lot of boxing terms when I'm explaining offensive linemen. No, I love it. I love it. And I, I think you see a lot of offensive linemen now in the NFL, like they do like the boxing stuff in the offseason now, like that's the hand to hand combat. You know, I, I think everyone just thinks of Aaron Donald doing it with the knives and everything, which are fake, by the way, but still a, a good talking point. And I mean, to Tommy's question real quick, Tommy, just for like NFL standards, the arm length thing used to be. 34 inches was kind of the cutoff. Now it's kind of gotten a little less. Like teams will kind of accept 33 because now we see guys like Rashawn Slater last year that only had 33. Um, Penny, so I think like had 33 and a quarter. So arm length is decreasing a little bit in a, in a keen world though, offensive tackles, you want an 80 inch wingspan. That's kind of, that's kind of the number you want to shoot for. Like that's a passable. If it's less than 80 inches and you have a good arm length, that means that you probably just don't have broad shoulders. So like your upper body is just a little bit of a, of an odd one for an offensive tackle. If you're over 82, then you're in very good territory. And then if you're over 85, then you're like an elite, elite dude. Like that's where the arm length is like freaky stuff. So just for some context, there's like arm length, what you're kind of looking for. Yeah. And then there's one, there's one final piece I look at when I'm grading an offensive lineman. And I, I like to use intangible grades, right? And one of the reasons that I look at that and that's important to me is intangibles for an offensive lineman, positional flexibility, right? That's an important thing that's going to factor into your grade. You know, it's kind of your competitiveness, your motor, like some of those things that aren't necessarily about athleticism, but it's about your compete level. What's your compete level like? And then the the other one for me that's really big for offensive linemen is injury history. I get real nervous about linemen that come into college with multiple injuries because then you kind of wonder like, can that big this is can he handle how big he is or the physicality of it? So those are the final pieces that kind of go into the grade, but not those aren't the the compete level thing we'll talk about tonight. But when it comes like the injuries and some of those other things, production will won't focus as much on that tonight. So you ready to get rocking and rolling, Ryan? Let's Got anything do it. else you want to kind of add about kind of what we're going to be looking for tonight? Some of it we'll we'll kind of have our memories fresh as we're going through, as we're going through each kid. No, no, I mean I, th- I think you said it up perfectly. We're not as much t- talking about technique because technique can always get better. We're talking about the traits that we think will allow some of these players to potentially play offensive tackle. That's why we kind of had that little breakdown of what's important for an offensive tackle. So I think you I think you nailed it perfectly. So Ryan. One thing we like to talk about when we do our show is when we are doing questions, we want to make sure we're getting people's names right. Well, that obviously also applies to making sure that we're saying things about players and getting their names right. So the player that we're going to first talk about tonight has a name that I've been pronouncing incorrectly for a while. I've been trying for the last three hours to figure this out, and I finally got two people that finally responded to me. Uh, So it's Charles Jagusa. Okay, I've been saying Jagusaw. That ain't it. It's Charles Jagusa. I've been saying it wrong, too, so you're not alone. You're not alone. I take full responsibility for this. 
this is a very talented young man, top of the board kind of player from Bishop Alleman in Illinois, listed at 6'6", anywhere from 285 to 295. From a recruiting ranking standpoint, he is ranked as a five-star by On3 Sports and the number seven player in the country and the number one offensive tackle in the country. He's also ranked number 63 by 247 Sports, which for me is a little bit closer to where I have him right now just because of the technical aspects, which we'll get into. But from a ceiling standpoint, as we mentioned on Monday, he's a top 25 player for me. Uh, he's ranked 71 by ESPN. Rivals has him at 118. That's definitely too far down, in my opinion. He is a top 50 to 75 type player right now with five-star upside, Ryan. So he this is this is a very talented young football player. Yeah, and I think he's a player where he's so talented in multiple areas from a power perspective and from that length athleticism perspective. Could be an offensive tackle, could be a guard. I, I think this this kid's ceiling is so high because I think that he profiles so well to multiple positions. Like mm-hmm. I think he could be whatever his body tells him he could be. Like he and could be also good where as he wants. I mean he, the nice thing about guys like him, Ryan, too, is you can get he there's four places I think he can play if there's an opening, right? And that's the thing, is like, okay, let's just say by 2024, he's ready to start. But Notre Dame's blessed that Blake Fisher and Joe Walt decide to come back. You know, like, well, guess we're gonna have to wait another year to get Charles in the lineup. No, you slide him inside the guard and you let him play guard. And that's what Alabama did with Evan Neal. I was talking to a friend of mine today, and he we were, you know, he's like, you know, hey, Evan Neal, number one pick. And I'm like, you know, maybe. I mean, it's it's not a there's several guys that could go number one because it's not that kind of elite top. Of the, I said, but look, the interesting thing about about Evan Neal is the kid played left tackle for one year. He played guard, then he moved to right tackle, played right tackle in 2020, then moved to left tackle this year. And, and so you talk about that, like Alabama could move that. He played a different position every year because that was the position that would allow him to get on the field the fastest and allow them to figure out what their best five-man rotation looked like. Having guys like that is huge when you can do that, and Charles is that kind of player. Yeah, no, I think so too. And I mean, they even did it also with like Alex Leatherwood. I don't think he played mm-hmm. guard, but he played right tackle, moved over to left. We've seen Notre Dame do it with guys like Mike McGlinchey and Ronnie Stanley in the past as well. So the ability yeah, to play multiple who, positions. Who was the kid in 2012 that he played like center, guard, left tackle? He started for him in 2012. I'm trying to remember what the kid's name is, but he was a really good offensive lineman. Notre Dame tried to recruit him for uh, for Alabama that Alabama oh, had. Oh, Barry Jones. Barrett Jones. Jones. Yes, yeah. Barrett Jones. He was like that. He started at center at one point in time in his career, started at both, I believe, both tackle spots at one point in time, played a little bit of guard. Uh, it's it's great to have that. And mm-hmm. like you said, Charles can be that kind of player. So let's, let's Ryan, let's dive into the film of Charles Jagusa here real quick, and we'll get rocking and roll. We don't need to see us. We're going to get, get the whole thing out here. So let's, let's dive into this film and really talk about him. You're going to see him at right tackle. We're going to let the first play go through and then we'll go back and look at each play. You can see the length there, Ryan. One of the things I look for when it comes to length is I want to see a guy that when he's in his stance, doesn't have to drive his shoulders into the ground. And obviously he, he doesn't do, they see a really nice base. Now this is the thing that I think sometimes can cause people to miss the boat a little bit on Charles. This right here, he gets beat outside. He's mm-hmm. so strong and he's so powerful that he still beats this kid up, right? Yeah. I love that leg drive. I love that power, right? His length helps him recover. Against Isaiah Foskey, he's beat here. 
Isaiah's getting off that block and he's getting to the, you know, get to the ball carrier. That's a technical thing. That's something he's going to have to work on. That's a footwork problem. But I like the quickness. I like how he keeps bending. This is talking about bending at the knees. That's what this is, right? He's not lunging. He's not leaning. And you, I love that he keeps driving his feet through contact. Yeah, and you would expect him to have good knee bend and 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 that type of pad level because he's a wrestler, right? Like mm-hmm. that's all they do is just stay in that crouch mm-hmm. position, that power profile all the time. I agree, Brian. I mean, like you see it here, right? Like sometimes his feet stall on contact a little bit. That's a technical issue. And that reach block that you showed in the begin with, it's just you know his angle to where he's attacking on the on the right. uh, defender just isn't great. But you see the ability to recover where that length. I mean, this kid is. Yeah. He's not missing any length, man, and he is a nasty dude. Like you see, when he once he gets inside, there's a lot of natural power. There. Look at these hips. I want everybody to look at these hips on, on contact. You see him like this is the wrestling background. That's where you want to know why a wrestling background can help you. It's that right there. It's that exploding your hips through contact. When he down blocks, you see him move his feet better. It's like the lateral stuff, the pass blocking. That's when you see him tend to get into a little bit more of that uh, – you know, that, that stopping his feet and, and getting a little bit taller. He is a strong young man though. <laughs> sure is man. And he play and he, and he, he doesn't play like nasty, right? Like he's not dirty. You know, you watch some game film and he's not like throwing, you know, he's not playing, you know, after the whistle, but he's physical, right? And you don't have to be dirty to be physical. He's fi- a very physical kid. You see this again, this is a technical problem. Like this isn't great technique. He's holding his hands are outside. I don't care about that. And neither does Harry. He stand. Cause that's what Harry. He stand will coach him to do better, but right. you see the size, the length. Just a lot of natural power there, man. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you already talked about the hips a little bit. He's got a lot of power through those hips. You can just see him kind of roll through contact with the, with that lower body. That's a pretty good size kid. He's going against right there. And he just manhandles them. And and I love the look at the base, Ryan. That's what I. This is why Ryan thinks he's a guard. It's this is the right. Am I wrong here? This is exactly the kind of play because I want people to understand. Like, and the reason I'm bringing this up, Ryan, is because some people think when you when you say kid can play is going to move to guard, it's like some kind of insult. Like, well, he's not athletic enough to play. You've always said it's about his disposition. Yes, this is exactly what we're talking about. This play right here. This is him right here. It's not so much that he, you know, well, he's not athletic enough to play tackle. It's that this right here, this is a guard play. <laughs> Great mm-hmm. pad level, right, Ryan? Physicality coming off the line and just mauling, mauling this guy. Yeah, I mean, great point there, Brian. I would say my, and I don't even want to call it an issue, my my, my projection for Charles is better inside as of now because like you said, I think he's got good foot quickness, no doubt. Got length. He can play off at the tackle when you're talking about the unteachables. What I like about him, though, is when he short sets, when he plays in a tighter space, I think he's just a dominant run blocker, and I think he's dominant when he gets his hands kind of on you very quickly. So, right. And you can play off at the tackle and be a little bit of a jump setter and, and short setter and do all those types of things, but I just think unlocking his power is big time for him. In my this opinion. is where you see his athleticism on defense. Like This is really impressive quickness off the ball. This is him playing nose tackle. And no, he is not going to play defensive line at Notre Dame. Looks like Jerry Tillery, man. Looks like Jerry Tillery. <laughs> you shut your dirty mouth. We're not going to. We're not going to have him move to defense. 
big, strong kid. And this is just one game, too. We're going to get to another game here in a minute, but this is just one game highlight. I'm trying to show a couple of the game highlights for offensive linemen. See, th- again, this is you see some you see some slowness with this transition. This isn't an athletic. This is what you have to identify, right? Whenever you see something on film that you don't like, you have to ask yourself, is that a physical problem or a technical problem? And the reason that matters, Ryan, because a physical problem is going to be harder to fix. Yeah, A technical problem is not if you have a good coach and Notre Dame has that now. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, let's, let's be honest there. Like it's a lazy set because he's just such a good athlete that he can redirect so easily. And that, again, that's why I I think that the future may be inside because just look at that power, man, in short, tight spaces. Like I want to see him short set at time. Cause I think it's just dominant. That's a nice play here again, as a nose tackle. Again, look at this quickness off the ball from here. He's the nose tackle here, folks. So I want to make sure I point this out. He's right there at nose. Had a nice little swim there, too. A nice little mm-hmm. swim. Yeah. Yep. You see that. Th- this is the thing. There's some of the more athletic things that I see uh, are going to be on are, are on defense. Well, I mean, let's be honest. On a high school team, it's a lot easier to just play with not the best technique on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the football and make plays just because you're just such a good athlete, you know? Right. Yep. We'll get to some more here. we got some more game film of Charles. Let's get to that. This isn't it's I've always say this kids put stuff on film that you're like, that's not a highlight. But what I do like about this play, though, it, 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 the thing I do like here is right is you see his ability to play with good pad level. Yep. And this is another clip that is kind of will tell you why one of the reasons why you're going to say right. You're going to hear Ryan talk about him playing uh, inside because that's a, that's a must for an inside guy. You can get away with being a little bit long or tall, you know, or not having a great pad level tackle can inside. Yeah, Notre Dame's not recruiting the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> sure that ain't good. <laughs> nope. Bad read. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. See, All see, right. Brian, like e- even this set, man, it's just a mm-hmm. slow say. He doesn't really get yeah. to a spot, but then I mean, once he clamps on, he's able to use his length. Right. It's it's over. The thing, and that's the thing that reason I brought up what I brought up too earlier, Ryan, is and here is it right tackle is you have to identify is this a, is this a physical is it a slow set because he's not he's not quick. He doesn't have good lateral quickness, which is sometimes happens. There are guys that are really athletic in their vertical burst, but they don't have good lateral quickness. And that's something you have to identify and you have to answer. Man, he's just a massive kid already, too. Man, he's he's going to be a big boy. He's a he's a bull. I mean, yes, it's a it's a bully move right here. Here's a nose guard, right? He's going to be right about. Come on, right about here. This is an impressive play. This is bullying people. And again, he's not going to college and playing nose tackle like that because, of, you, you know, Coleman was, earlier was asking about, you know, level of competition. And my comment has always been about level of competition has, is more about the evaluator than the player. You know, you're 6'6", you're six, six, no matter who you're playing against. You're a 4'4", four, four, no matter who you're playing against. You know, you're 285, no matter who you're playing against. You know, those type of things. I mean, I mean, I, I see somebody in the in the comment section, man. Like, if he wants to play both sides of football, I would entertain it, you know? Well, <laughs> That's what it takes to get him on campus, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But he, you know, he's not a guy. That, I mean, he's not like Jerry Tillery was a, was a more athletic defensive player, and and you know Charles is 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 not. So I just want to get to one more bit of game film here, and we will. There was a couple of plays in this I really liked. I, this is a this is a PAT field goal block that I really liked because he just gets off so quickly. 
Yeah, there's definitely not an absence of athleticism here. No, <laughs> no. His footwork, I mean, his his, and this is what you're seeing too, Ryan. From what I talked about on Friday, you're this is a this is one of the best play. This is the get film clip I wanted to get to, Ryan. This is one of his best clips. You, I mean, this is technically sound. This is this is textbook right here. He stays low. He drives through contact. He uses his hands well. His angle is. I mean, this is one of his more better fundamental plays. And then, of course, it's just pure dominance. Just look at for everyone out there. Just look at those hips when he explodes on contact. When he makes contact with that defender, look at how fast his hips move, man. Like just very strong mm-hmm. core there. Very strong yeah. lower half. This is a little better pass that Ryan, but this is an example of what I say is I don't think the kid knows how to pass it. They don't throw at all, as you can see why. <laughs> like, I mean, this is this is why their their quarterback just throws it up to whoever. Right? I mean, it's so bad. But this is why he doesn't have he's not a great pass blocker because they just don't do it. I mean, and you can understand why. But you see the foot quickness again, the technique. What you're seeing in this film, what I was going to say earlier before that that great play I got all excited about, but what you're seeing in this film is why I don't have him as a five top 50 guy yet because the technical grade is very low for him right now. But it's also the grade that's least important to me, if we're being completely honest. It just it just doesn't matter a ton to me, but I still have to evaluate it because to get to the to the current grade, it doesn't factor into the upside grade. The upside grade is all about the intangibles. The, I mean, not the intangibles, the unteachables that you like to say, which is a phrase I'd never heard of till I met you. And I really love it. It's a really, really good phrase. But that's what the upside grade is all about. It's the unteachables. So mm-hmm. that is that is some game film of Charles Jagusa. I'm going to have to hopefully I don't say that uh, uh, wrong. You know, I want to get it right. So I'm going to try to really say it. But, you know, Ryan, this is a this is a big, strong, physical, talented kid. And you, it's easy to see why Notre Dame is so high on him. I would love to see the weight room on him too, man, because his lower body is just so strong. I guarantee he's just a crazy, pow, uh, uh, like power clean snatch guy. Like I guarantee he's just a freak. Because I mean, his again, his hip explosiveness and power through the hips is fantastic. And again, that makes sense as a wrestler, right? Cause you're playing with a low center of, gra- center of gravity. And you need to have those explosive hips to, to shoot and do all your moves and all type of stuff. So it makes complete sense, but Jagasaw, uh, sorry, I already did it. Jagusa it wasn't me. Wasn't I know. Me. I know. I've been saying it wrong for months too. So Charles Jagusa, again, upside is phenomenal because mm-hmm. if he's doing what he's doing on film and we both agree that the technique is not great, He's winning just based upon pure traits right now. Mm-hmm. So imagine again, if he lands at Notre Dame, working with a coach like Harry, he stands, I mean, uh, upside. I mean, the, the ceiling is the roof in that situation. Yeah. No, no question about it. Next guy I want to talk about Ryan is to me, the best pure, ta- arguably the best pure tackle on the board. I actually, I don't think it's arguable because we've talked about this. I think Jagusa can be a tackle. No question. I don't know if I'd call him a pure tackle. He's more of a right tackle, power player, you know, type of guy. I feel that Jagusa and Samson Okalola are very similar. I think I think Okalola has more left tackle potential, but he is he is more again. He's a guy that could also be a right tackle power player. I think as far as a guy that's just a, the the best pure, put him on the edge, 
Ronnie Stanley type of player. You know, we're, we're going to do a comps article here over the next few months, and we're going to make kind of comp stuff more part of what we do. This is for fun. Like, it's just fun to do. But we were, you know, we're talking about comps. That There is not a better comp for Monroe Freeling for me than Ronnie Stanley. Similar body type, similar size, similar length, similar footwork, similar athleticism, similar projection, back, you know, basketball background, all of it. Like, there is not a better – and I would argue at the same age, Monroe Freeling is a much better player than Ronnie was at the same age as well, which is saying a lot because Ronnie turned out to be one heck of a player at Notre Dame. That's fair. I, I think another guy that popped into my head, Brian, and li- like I'm going to put a little disclaimer here for a second. This is without injuries involved into this conversation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Walker Little that went to Stanford. Okay. I think I think stylistically they're very similar. Of course, Walker's career was just obliterated by injuries, but yet he still went in the second round because he's right. same as Monroe, gifted athlete. Like the kid can absolutely move and he's got great length. So right. those are the building blocks. I think of them as if Walker Little was able to stay healthy at Stanford and was developed properly, that's kind of like the yeah. thought I get in, into yeah. my mind. That's fair. I like that. I like that. I can live with that. I think the length is a little different here. And I think that Walker Little was a little bit more of a powerful guy. That's the reason I don't – because, like, I think Walter Walker Little, if healthy, had a chance to be as good of a run blocker as he was a pass blocker, if not better. It's fair. It's fair. Whereas Ronnie Stanley has developed into a good run blocker, but he was always a pass blocker first. And that's why I think that comparison. And that's and I think that's one of the reasons I think Monroe is better than Ronnie at the same age because I think Monroe's more advanced as a run blocker at the same age than Ronnie was coming out of Bishop Corbin. So, but if we're having this conversation and our comp isn't just about stylistically, it's also about upside talent. We think he can be in time, that kind of player. If he goes to a school, that's going to be able to develop him in the weight room and, in, and, and from an offensive line standpoint. And that's why he's so important to Notre Dame because a, there's a need there, but number two, like this is the kind of kid that, that, that Jeff, that <laughs> Jeff, Harry, he has made a killing with in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, if he could take Ronnie Stanley, who was not as good as Monroe Freeling at the same age and turn him into the number six overall draft pick, you know, it's it's kind of fun and exciting to think about what he could do with a guy like Monroe Freeling. Well, I love I love the frames of the two guys that we're talking about, because I mean, I, put, I think someone put it in the chat like to be a wrestler at the heavyweight division. Jack uh, Jagusa almost did it again. Jagusa had to be 285 pounds. He's a guy that's been listed at over 300 pounds, though, in the offseason. And and Brian, I, I've talked about this a ton. His body type reminds me a lot of Trace Trey Smith, not comparing him necessarily to the player. But I think he's going to be a massive kid, like 325, mm. 330, like yeah. just built. I think that that uh, Monroe Freeling has a lot of upside too. And as far as his body profile, I yeah. think he's going to be 305, 310 easy. Like it's not going right. to be difficult to put that. At type least of on. I think he could put on even more. I do because, and, and we'll kind of get into why, but at least 305 and, and in Notre Dame's offense, the 325 isn't as important as it is in other offenses, right? Like Bama's offense, the way they've always run it, their run game is more of a power run game. It You need big movers. Notre Dame has always been an inside outside zone under Harry. He which is more about, leverage footwork technique and athleticism more so than just big movers you know not that he's been opposed to bringing in big guys because he brought in josh lug he brought in uh aaron banks there's been some tommy kramer there's been some big guys he can't he brought in but from a tackle standpoint is more of where i'm coming from i think harry would like to have bigger guards i do i think he'd like to have 315 plus pound guards because those are guys that are more movers we're talking tackle 
the tackles have to be athletic in Harry Heastan's offense. And, and that's kind of where we're getting to. So uh, that's Monroe Freeling from a rec- he's listed at 6'7, 285, goes to Oceanside Academy in South Carolina. On three is also super high on him. They also rank him higher than anybody else. They have him ranked at number 39 overall, which is close to where I have him. He, he's, he's, he's a top, I have to go, I don't, I have to go look at my grade. I don't remember if I had him in the top 50 or right outside the top 50. I'm going to have to go look. But ESPN has an 89, 24-7 has him at 96, and Rivals had him as a, has him at 115. I have no clue what Rivals is looking at with offensive tackles in this class. None. So, But uh, they don't have Sullivan Absher in the top 250. We'll get into that here in a little bit too. So I'm not sure who's doing the O-line rankings for Rivals, but they need to they need to figure some stuff out here real quick. But uh, yeah. if he's not in the top 50, Ryan, he's borderline. Again, I have to – like my gut says top 50. I just – I got to go look at my grade to see if he actually graded out as a top 50 guy. But yeah. the ceiling is incredibly high. He, he's a top 50 guy for me, man, because I, I think that this profile at 6'7", 285 with, pl- with a lot of room to grow. And, I mean, we went, mentioned that video on our last show, the 30-inch vert for that size, man. Like, that's a great number for a kid going into the NFL. <laughs> like, it's an insane, insane number. And if you watch him play basketball, gifted, gifted athlete. Like, he's not just a good basketball player. He's a very good, explosive basketball player. So, lots of like with a guy like Marmaru Freeling. So what do you know, Ryan? I have some basketball film all queued up, ready to go. Perfect. Going to get to a couple block shots here and then a couple dunks that I just want to show, like just how well he moves, his length, his quickness off the ball, see him running down the court. And I, I love I loved that Harry Heastan went to go watch and play basketball, yes. too. I absolutely love that. Look at this. Look at that quickness. He gets over there quickly. Yes, he does. That's an that's an impressive block. And then we got a couple dunks here I want to get to because, you know, I just had to show the basketball film. How disappointed would you have been in me tonight if I didn't have basketball film ready? Got to show it, man. We, we talked about last show about why basketball is so important for offensive tackles, mm-hmm. the coordination, explosiveness. Yep. Here we go. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> that's a 275. He's about He was about 275, I think, during basketball season. Yeah, look at him. Look at the feet, though. This like the dunk's nice, but look at look how smooth he is running down the court, though. It's really smooth, kid. Very effortless, effortless yep. mover. Two handed jam rises up, bam. But look, but here's the thing: is look at the look at the coordination of the feet. Like I know the dunk is cool and everything, but but look at the look at the coordination of the feet, Ryan. That's that's what I'm looking at. That's what I like. Yep. Comes to balance quick. Like that's where mm-hmm. you talk about like that foot quickness and just the right. coordination. When you come to right. balance quick to dunk like that, like that shows that this this right. kid's a good athlete. He's not just a he's not a good athlete for to, an offensive lineman. He's just a good to athlete. Catch to catch, then come to balance, then two hand jam. It's all it, they're all athletic moves. Now, is he like rising up and like, you know, go no, he's not, but he's a left tackle. He's 280 pounds. Like, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yep. So we're going to, we're going to watch some, some highlights of Monroe. There weren't any like great individual, like game uh, highlight clips. So we're going to actually watch some game film of Monroe and work through this, but this is a, this is a really, we're actually going to see some pass blocking in this one. Not a ton because this team doesn't pass block a ton either, but we're going to see a little bit more. This is what I like when you, when you can see a kid in his stance, right. And he's sinking his butt but he's not dropping his butt, but you see the shoulders lifted up. That tells me he's got some length to him. 
I mean, like, Brian, of course, it's like unfair, right? But like that acceleration at the end there, that again shows me just how explosive his lower body is, man. Like he puts the kid on skates and he finishes because his lower body is just so darn explosive. Now here he's a left tackle, right? Right here, as they point out. But here's what I love about him. The feet never stop moving. They never stop moving. They just work. They just work. Now, I do want to see him work on his pad level a little bit at times. He does get a little tall, but mm-hmm. the feet, are they just never stop moving. I, I love his feet. Just drive, drive, drive. You see some power there. Like When I when I first heard, heard about him, and I hadn't watched his film yet, and I heard he was a basketball player. Look at that length. I heard he was a basketball player. I was like, okay, he's going to be, he's going to be, you know, maybe probably a finesse guy. Nope. No. Not at all. He's not a finesse guy. Not a finesse guy. <laughs> Now he's got to get a lot stronger, right? And when weight room and all that, but like he is a tough get after it kid. I like this. I like, see, this is a good technical grade. His technical grade was much better than Charles's because you keep, does a great job here as he comes off the ball, he keeps his hips square, right? Shoulders turn a little bit, but he keeps his hips square. So he's able to engage right here, keeps his eyes up and then come off the linebacker. That guy made it kind of easy, but that's a good technical play too there. Yeah. He's just using his inside arm, keeping his outside arm free in case there's a run through. It's a good technical, technical play there as well. He he's he's pretty well coached at his high school. I think Oceanside is where Sam Hartman, I believe, played his final year of okay. high school football. So that he I, I believe he's been coached pretty well for the most part. Because I think his hand placement's pretty consistent. Like you said, his pass level a get a little better. That, but yeah. Talk about hand placement, but this it's funny you said that because this is a, a really good example of that, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, works inside. Mm-hmm. Keep those right. elbows in. Keep those elbows in. Work inside. Don't let your elbows get too far outside your body. D- don't latch off all, all outside the frame. Like just good stuff. You again, you would like the pad level a little lower. Get like let's sink a little bit. You would finish him a little earlier in that rep. But I, I think that from a technical aspect, he's he's definitely further along than than Jagusa is right now. But they both have equally high uh, ceilings, in my opinion. Now, what you're seeing here. I guarantee you, I know what happened. This kid has been going low on Monroe Freeling the whole game. He's been going at his knees the whole game. I, I, I love this play right here because you see, as soon as the ball snaps, he lifts his hands up and brings the club down and just throws the guy into the ground. <laughs> I was going to say that was a snatch trap technique, but no, that was just a, I'm going to throw you on the ground technique. <laughs> <laughs> Just such a clean body, man. It's hard to believe that he's 285 because he just yeah. looks so thin. Look at this. This is the athleticism, Ryan. Look at this burst coming around. Like again, we'll I want to I want to see him get he gets a little high out of his stance, but look at the bend when he's about to engage. Right? When he gets to the guy he's supposed to block, you see him dip and get into the guy. Like that's that's an outstanding athleticism. Yeah, I mean that that explosiveness after he after he takes the he takes a little bit of a bucket step because it's a skip pull here. Mm-hmm. But man, once he changes direction, like you just see that explosiveness is mm-hmm. silly. Yep, it's that's a timing mechanism. Just so people understand, it's a timing and a, a depth and timing mechanism is mm-hmm. why you do it like that. Yep, the kid's really really impressive. Not not a top one hundred player according to rivals though. So. <laughs> Look, this is a big kid. I mean, this kid's 280 plus, and he just pancakes him. Now, again, the pass set, not good. The technical no. part, not good, right? They're doing a – it's a little quick screen. It's just a little sloppy. 
but look at him just kind of, okay, I'm going to take you and I'm going to throw you on the ground. That defensive tackle is probably so upset. He's like, I was on the backside of the play. Did you have to do that to me? (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with you? They're not even running at us. Look at the athleticism to get outside on this play. This is really impressive. Do you see it? So this is a this is a you can see the tight end here. So just so you all know, he's there's a tight end outside, and then he's that guy inside. But again, a little bit of a hop. I want to see you're gonna see better technique being taught wherever he goes to school. But I love, I mean, just the athleticism and the power. Like, look, look that now this D lineman actually does a decent job here of trying to get his hands off of him, but watch Monroe reset on him. And he's just so long, he just is able to kind of keep the guy locked out. It's a really impressive play. It just never stops. That's the thing I love about Charles and and and, and also uh, Monroe is that once their feet get moving, they never stop. Like now, Charles will stop his feet at the snap at times, but once he explodes his hips, they just don't stop. Yep. And and Monroe's the same way, but Monroe's more consistent with his leg drive out of the stance. That's the mm-hmm. thing I like. Yeah, I mean, I I think of Charles as like he's just a really powerful, explosive kid, right? Mm-hmm. Monroe, I think he's just kind of an all around freak athlete. Right. Like this kid can just move. This is really good quickness out of his stance, and he doesn't even take a, any kind of reach step. He just picks his outside foot up and down. But look how quickly he's able to get outside that second step, that crossover. Not really a crossover, but you know, bringing that foot along keeps his hips square. I like that. It's not easy for linemen to be able to get this kind of this kind of reach without turning their hips. He doesn't have to do that. It's a lack of athleticism why you have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, and like you said, it's also a sign of a kid that's well coached. Yep. For the high school level, which is all his offensive line coaches asked to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his job to prepare for Notre Dame. It's his job to help him win football games. That's a hundred percent correct. Hundred percent. One thing I do like, too, is I noticed on a couple of down blocks, he always gets kind of the second guy working through the trash, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think he has pretty good awareness to yes. kind of know. Keeps his eyes downfield. It's yep. feeling with your inside, Ryan, and get your eyes to what, what could come outside. Exactly. That shows me instincts. This is a defensive end with some with some length to him. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I do want to see him stay a little lower out of his stance, but you can see the foot quickness, though. That's what I like about this play. Yep. Eyes downfield. This is another example. He's feeling with the outside because he's got to make sure you secure the outside, but he's got his eyes upfield. He's a, he's a really instinctive. That's just mean. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets flagged <laughs> as he oh, should have uh, yeah, flagged yeah, yeah. on that. He should have yep. got flagged on that. But I love the attitude. That looks like so- This looks like sophomore film to me. He looks I love skinnier. That. It's a different number, right? That looks yeah. like sophomore film to me. I think so too. I I, I love the temperament though that he plays mm-hmm. with because again, I think that people will assume that he's a little bit passive, but he's definitely not mm-hmm. passive. And it's really funny because it's always the nicest guys, man. Like he's just such a mm-hmm. pleasant guy to get back, you know, to talk to. Always gets back to you in a, in a reasonable amount of time. But then he's he plays like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you so. want that? You want that kid? This is a really nice guy, like Quentin Nelson. I remember the first time I met him. He was a freshman at Notre Dame, redshirt freshman at Notre Dame. It's very quiet. Now he's kind of grown out of that. He's kind of come out of that shell in the NFL. He's got a lot of personality, but as a young player, he was really quiet and, you know, didn't love doing interviews and all that kind of stuff. But man, you put him on the field and whew, boy, that, he was, that's, he was that's those new, that's those New Jersey guys, man. All about the mm-hmm. action, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knew that was coming. And I'm not gonna lie. If it was a Virginia guy, I just said the same thing. 
<laughs> so Monroe Freeling Ryan, I mean, ranking wise, where about do you see him falling in? I, he's a top 50 kid for me. I, 39, I don't think is unreasonable. I think he has, you mentioned Charles Jagusa, you thought could be a top 25 player as far as upside. I'm there with Freeling, honestly, yeah. man. Like, I think that his upside is substantial to that, but I'm. I'm good as long – like top 50 I think is the right number, but I think that top 25 upside is absolutely there for me. I would say that him and Samson Okunlola, who we're not going to talk about tonight because he's not really a, a, a guy we view as a legit target for Notre Dame right now. Like they want him, but he doesn't want them. I would say that of the guys on the board, inside and outside, that Monroe Freeling has the highest ceiling of any of them. Charles Jagusa is right behind him, but, but I think Monroe's just – Monroe's a bet that from what we see now, maybe that changes when Charles gets better coaching. And that's something I think we'll see, but this is why I think Charles is a right tackle and Monroe's a left tackle because that lateral athleticism is just better there. Right. Like, and they both have elite bodies, like five-star bodies. They're both strong, powerful kids. They're they, like, you, you talk about the, the, the tandem they have now with Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. It's it, it'd be very similar. You know, where you've got one guy, you know, and I, I would argue that Monroe's a, a much better athlete than Joe Walt was at the same age. You know, I mean, once Joe started growing into the body, but, you know, Joe's turned out to be a heck of a player. And then Charles has a lot of Blake Fisher to him, right? Like Blake's more athletic and Blake could be a left tackle, I think. But you see that that power, that physicality, that that ability to just drive people off the ball is very similar. And yeah. that's what I, I, I kind of like about this duo. So clearly to me the number one left tackle on the board for Notre Dame yeah I would say so because I mean even, honestly you you mentioned it even if you wanted to count Sanson Okolola on that list I know we're not obviously because just kind of the information we've gotten from that end but I I think that Monroe Freelings is, is a better pure left tackle than 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 I, I'm curious why and I know what I mean because Samson's a really impressive player physically, right? Like he looks the part for sure. And I know that Monroe physically isn't quite as developed as Samson is from a just a, a size perspective. But I'm curious why some some more people aren't kind of talking Monroe freely in that type of territory. Yeah, you know see, what I mean? to me, I'm fine with pe- where people rank Samson. I have Samson as a five star now. I think he's big. I think he's physical. I think he's fundamentally sound. He's just an elite player now. I, I think so. I don't have an issue with where they rank Samson. I do have an issue that they don't view Monroe as just a shade behind him now. Right. Not right. even talking about upside. I'm talking about now. I I think Monroe Freeling is an outstanding football player now, and and I think Charles Jagusa is an outstanding football player now. I just think Charles has a little bit more room to go from a technical standpoint to get to where he's getting the most out of his athletic ability at this level. And yeah. that, but it's still, I mean, you're talking about three of the best offensive tackles in the country right there. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and I think that's, that's, it's an impressive board. Now, the key is obviously, will they get those? But we talked about that on Monday and we'll talk about that again down the road. Uh, got asked the question if we've talked about Austin Cerebell yet. Just a reminder, we're going to talk about just the tackle targets on this show. Either later in the week, either Thursday or Saturday, we're going to try to have a second show. Well, we're going to break down the interior players. So we'll talk about Pendleton. We'll talk about Saravel, a couple other guys, maybe on the board, uh, maybe look at a 2024 guy or two, and then obviously have some O-line Q&A afterwards. But we're just going to talk about the tackles tonight uh, in, in regard to that. So let's get into, Ryan, the next player on the board, and that would be 
Sullivan Absher, guy that you're really high on as well. So yep. Sullivan Absher is from North Carolina, goes to South Point High School. Six, another long guy, listed at six seven. Uh, depending on who you look at, between two seventy five to two eighty five from a ranking standpoint. On three also ranks him the highest. They have him ranked number ninety nine. Then there's a big drop off. You have him uh, one ninety four by two four seven sports and rivals and ESPN rank him as a four star, but neither of them have him ranked. So he's not in the top two fifty for rivals. He's not in the top three hundred for ESPN. This is a top two fifty football player for me. I mean, he's he's not to the level of the other kids we've talked about, right? He's not the athlete they are. He's he's a big tough kid. He just he does a lot of similar things. He's just not quite, you know, that that athlete that they are. This is a good football player. And to me, if he's not a top 250 player, and I like to use this joke a lot, but then this is one of the best recruiting classes I've ever seen, right? Right, I mean, exactly. This is a top 250 football player. I, I don't have him 99, like like 247. I, I kind of am closer along with, with uh, 247. He's like a top 150. They have a 194. I'd put him a little higher than that. He's like a top 150-ish caliber football player for me right now. That, that was exactly what I was going to say is, is I would say top 150. You could sell me on upside of a top 100-ish. So like 99 is fair if you're just purely looking at upside. But top one, 150, I think, is is a good spot for Sullivan because I think that he can play offensive tackle, which we'll get into, obviously. And that's what Notre Dame likes him right now. Yeah. Right. But I think he also could be really good at guard because yeah. we talked a lot about Monroe Freeling's pad level. That's not an issue for Sullivan Absher at all. Mm-hmm. No, which is surprising because he's a really long kid. He is like that was one of the things that surprised me. Now he he is a bit the reason I I sometimes struggle with him at guard, and we'll go into this is I do think he's a bit of a waste bender, and that's my only issue with him being able to play with that pad level and that power projecting as a guard at the next level. But we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But you know, talented kid, big kid, lots of upside. It's Notre Dame, Clemson, NC Staters final three. We think it's going to come down to Notre Dame and, and Clemson, but. Uh, Notre Dame's going to get a shot at him. So let's get into some film of Sullivan Absher. So this is Ryan's guy. Let's check it out. As you can see, Ryan, I wanted to pause it there just to kind of give you a glimpse of this is a long kid. <laughs> That's a big, tall, long kid. He's He's got broad shoulders, too. Yeah. Broad shoulders to him. Mm-hmm. Look at those splits. Those are the most absurd splits. It's like air raid splits, right? Air, air raid or veer, right? And then you can see this one. It's going to be veer because you see where the fullback is lined up. They're running veer here. But look how quickly, look how far away this down block is. Oh, no, he didn't get to that guy. I read that one wrong. But he he this these are humongous splits. That's really good because this is a little player he's blocking, Ryan. To get low on this kid, look at that dip. And again, I mean, one consistent thing across the board that we've seen is explosiveness through the hips. Mm -hmm. Just the explosiveness on contact there is fantastic. Yep. Yep. Shoots his hands, keeps them tight, stays low, and drives his feet through contact. He does a good job. He he does a really nice job of moving his feet through contact. Really nice job of that. Those insane splits. Again, stays low. It's a good-sized kid he's going against, too. Kid reacts, tried, and this is this is really nice. This shows a little bit his of his. You talk about you know balance and foot quickness and and being able to move laterally. One of the concerns about a a, a gap like this is there's this big space for that guy to shoot through Ryan, and mm-hmm. this kid tries to kind of avoid Sullivan and run inside that big old gap, but he's able to redirect with ease. Watch him; he steps like he's gonna step. So like 
when the ball's about to be snapped, Sullivan's going to step like right at this guy, right? Can you all see that? He's going to step right at him. But this guy's going to shoot way in here, and he's able to kind of plan on that outside foot and really quickly turn his hips. That tells me that's a kid that's got some of that flexibility that you talked about, that balance that I talked about in regards to being a top offensive lineman, to turn his hips and really get good contact and drive that guy. Yep. And I, I like I, I think he is a, has a really good understanding of angles, which I don't mm-hmm. think Charles Jagusa has right now, just because he's a little bit raw in that area. But I think that when we talk about Sullivan, and, and it's a little bit because of the offense that he plays in. Go. I mean, he's he's down blocking a ton. He's working the second level a ton in this in this Play offense with those wide splits. Option offense, you have to have a supreme understanding of blocking angles. Yeah, like there's a lot of things that playing in this option offense, you're gonna have to deprogram. But one of the things a coach is going to love about a kid like this is he's going to understand aiming points and angles as well as anybody that they're going to recruit. Absolutely. And that's because of the offense. So there's drawbacks to being in an offense like this, right? Like you you can't really do that Notre Dame fist bump <laughs> with these kind of splits, right? Kind of leaning way over. But the angles, I mean, and, and it, you have to have that to play in this offense. And this is a great example right here. And the punch, though, right? The, the the just the pop to knock this guy to the ground that way. Yep. And he's he's got an interesting frame too, because he's got a little bit of a thinner lower body. He's got like mm-hmm. a, a, a pudgier upper body. He's a guy that I think with the with some work in the weight room is going to really blow up. He's got some he, like this is not good pad level, right? Guy gets under his pads. Well, actually, it's not. That's not good pad level. This guy just gets really low. But look how he's able to just kind of bully that guy off the ball. That guy's trying to hug him. Look at that. Guy. <laughs> I'm waiting on the kid to just like reach, wrap his, jump up and wrap his legs around him and just go down. And I don't know. I don't know if you agree with this, Brian, but this is another reason I like him a little inside because I think that this, out of the players that we've watched so far, I think he has the nastiest disposition. Like he tries to finish dudes on the ground consistently. I agree with you a lot more about him being an inside guy than I do Jagusa. I That's do. fair. That's fair. The only reason I still want to see him at tackle the next level is because I think in Harry Heastan's offense, he wants that at ta- right tackle. And the reason I say that is go look at the 2017 team with Tommy Kramer at right tackle, right? Like very similar thing, like the disposition, the physicality, the nastiness. He wants to be able to have that power side, you know, that right side power side. It's why, you know, the McGlinchey combination with Elmer was so good in 2015. Mm-hmm. is you know McGlinchey was just that big physical mover type of guy and so you know again I think with if we're talking generally I agree with you in regards to you know I, I kind of like him inside but I but I also completely understand why Notre Dame likes him a tackle because of that that mm-hmm. uh of what they're looking for but yeah I I tend to agree I, I think his mindset is more of a guard and just look at this like this is him actually playing guard Normal, normal football splits now, right? But he just stays low and just drives. And I, and I have a high upside with him as far as a power profile because he's a mm-hmm. skinny kid right now, but yeah. you can still see just the explosiveness on contact. Like yeah. there's natural power there. That's what I was saying. He's going to blow up when he gets into college. Like he's going to get really big and really strong. And that's another reason why you could say, you know, that right tackle, right guard profile is, is really there. Look at, he just, I mean, this is a, not a very big kid, but he just destroyed, I mean, this kid lifts his kid off the ground even before he gets tripped up by the other people. You're not a, uh, you're not a traditionalist, man. They don't no. like the, uh... <laughs> hate the beer. Hate the beer. <laughs> I, I didn't mind like the eighties and nineties, Nebraska, Notre Dame option. Cause it was more from like the, it was like a power option, you know, yeah. like it was from the high. 
and didn't bother me as much, but like the veer, I just, I just, the, the triple, I just, which they're not necessarily the same thing. I just, I just despise those two offenses. I really do. <laughs> Let's get to one more, uh, one more game film. These, again, these are game films, not, not, uh, like full season highlights. When these are available, I like these a lot, a lot more, to be honest with you. And, uh, people said like, uh, this is a, an interesting comment here from Detroit Hunter. Pretty much their whole line chops except him. That's the nature of the option. And the reason mm-hmm. he's not chopping is because he's 6'7". <laughs> and right. he's playing against Division three kids, right, who are going to be smaller and shorter. There's no way he can cut blocks. So to me, that tells me that's smart coaching by his high school team. Don't ask him to do what you're asking your six-foot lineman to do against 5'10 high school players. Mm-hmm. Uh, let him blow people up. And that's why he plays with the angles that he that he plays. So uh, good observation, guys. Definitely good observations on that. I like that. All right, let's get to some just a couple more clips here, and then I want to do Elijah Page. And as, as we wrap up tonight, uh, defensive line needs to keep his head up, man. Yeah. Don't break his neck. No kidding. It's a good size. This is the reason I picked this game is he's going against some good sized players in this game, and he just bullies them. I mean, just. These kids do not want any piece of him in this game. <laughs> and that's the thing I like, and you're going to see the same thing, Eliza Page. You're seeing, you're seeing Notre Dame get back to that style of, of recruiting offensive linemen. You know, if you're not physical, if you're not nasty, if you're not a guy that wants to go dominate in the run game, you're just not a Harry Heastan offensive lineman. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with your assessment as far as how big he can get. Cause like you said, lower, like it's a little skinnier of a lower half mm-hmm. kind of tells you like he might not be able to put it on, but like the broad shoulders is what really sells mm-hmm. it to me. Yeah. And he's got some, some chubbiness he's going to be able to work off too. Mm-hmm. See here, you see a little bit of that waist bending, but part of me wonders if that's, or I mean, the, yeah, the waist bending part of me wonders if that's also a byproduct of the offense as opposed to his lack of being able, being able to bend it at the knees. You know what I mean, Ryan? Like, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm Want to keep my options open that it might be a, a scheme problem more so than a technical problem, but he just he just strikes me from what I can see as more of a a waist bender as, as a, a knee bender. Now it's fair. I mean, it's something that we definitely need to keep an eye on because, right. like you said, it might just be a part of the offense to a degree. I mean, he reminds me of a defensive tackle that you're just going to put in a four point stance and just mm-hmm. say go that way as fast as possible and beat yeah. that down block. You know what I mean? Yep. Completely dominate these two gaps or completely dominate this gap right here. I mean, this is just him rooting a guy out trying to get low. It's not exactly mm-hmm. like a great play, like stops his feet, just kind of falls on the guy. But, I, you know, he's got to get low. I do like that. He shows he can kind of get low and root that guy out because they're just trying to, you know, they're just trying to do a, make a goal line play here and say, hey, we're just not going to let you. We're not going to let you get get us pushed downfield. Yeah, for the most part, his, his feet are good on contact. That yeah. last one, I felt like his feet just kind of stalled a little on yeah. contact. I think he was just anticipating that guy trying to under, you know, undercut him in that gap. So, yeah. But, you know, I, I, what I liked about it is he still was able to get low. And, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that you want to see. So that, Ryan, is your guy, Solomon Absher. Good player, man. That's, yeah, that's what we get to see from him. So, And I think I think people asked earlier in the chat, Ryan, I just I, I didn't see where the comment went. But, yes, that this is a Sullivan, we believe, is going to be a Notre Dame-Clemson 
battle for, and yeah. that's the same across the board. We'll talk about Sam Pendleton when we do Monroe the interior Freeling. offensive line. Monroe yep. Freeling was another guy we talked about. That's also going to be a Notre Dame Clemson battle. Yep, it's across the board offensive line. I think line with this Monroe year. and Sullivan, it's definitely them. I do think Sam might be open to some other schools if his recruitment drags out. If it drags out, I could see maybe a Michigan or a Penn State becoming more of a factor. Yeah, uh, maybe he just visited Florida. I could see Florida. But if he makes a decision soon, and, and there are some comments his mom made to you in the interview that make me think that they might kind of be they, they might be starting the process of let's wind this thing. I didn't say it directly, but mm-hmm. just kind of doing this as long as I had, like that struck me as a okay, that sounds like a group of a family that wants to say, okay, we've been to some places, let's figure out where we're gonna go. You know? Yeah, I got the same I got the similar vibes from Pendleton, um, from his mother. Yeah. I I, I would say that I don't I like I think they said before summer is over is like the ideal time that they want to figure it out like before the season. So I think that's a worst case scenario though. Cause I think Notre Dame's they've escalated the process. I think a yeah. little bit. Cause I mean, yeah, think about it. He dropped the top schools before Notre Dame even right. had offered him. So yeah. I, I think that they're kind of changing this idea. Process. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I forgot about that. It was interesting. I was writing the, I was uh, editing your Jabron Payne story today. And I, and I went and looked at an article that I had written way back in the day when I was just me and he had originally had a top five that included Notre Dame, Alabama, and a couple other schools, Penn state. They didn't have Indiana in it, which is, you know, I mean, so it happens. It happens sometimes Funky. where kids, you know, getting a, get a top five and then other schools get in the mix or in Jabron Payne's case, he hurt his knee and then just teams backed off of him. But uh, let's get to some O-line play. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Next up. On our O-line breakdown, Ryan, is Elijah Page. Very interesting kid from Pinnacle High School in Phoenix, Arizona, same high school as Tosh Baker. Plays offensive tackle, listed at 6'6", 285 to 290. I, I, he's a kid that I don't know. I I, I got I want to hear your opinion when we watch the film, Ryan, of, of does he look as big as he's listed as weight-wise? I think he's long. Ranked as a, cons- as a consensus three-star recruit, which surprises me a little bit because when I watch this kid's film, Ryan, I do not see a three-star recruit. No, no. I mean, I mean, just based upon the size alone, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, the size athleticism pa- combination is like, okay, I can understand he's a bit raw, but just the size punch quickness alone co- trio is just like, okay, that's at least a four-star, at least an unranked four-star guy, at least in my yeah. opinion. And, and, he, and he plays at a very notable program too. So it's not like yeah. he's like a, playing at a small school in some, you know, random state. I mean, like Pinnacle right. is a good school. I mean, they have one of the best schools in the state of Arizona. Exactly. Programs. Yeah. And he's playing, and he's playing with Deuce Robinson, who's number one tight end in all of high right. school football too. So it's he's not, not like being he's... overlooked. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's get to this film here real quick, Ryan, and, uh, and get to this. He is the left tackle here for Pinnacle. Like, I don't see 285, 290. That's the one thing I see. I see a guy that's like more 270-ish, but that's what I like right there. This Explosive. quickness. That's an athletic kid. I mean, he moves really well. 
really well. Not more crazy splits. It lifts up a little bit, but I like the, the quickness he has getting up to the edge. Is that Elijah rushing he's going against there? That, what number is it? Yeah, 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 I think so. Okay. I think, yeah. That's a dang good football player right there. <laughs> yeah. Out of, out of cell points. Yep. Yeah. He's a good player, man. He's one of the top. He's one. He's like a. I mean, in, at a couple of the recruiting services for twenty twenty four, he's um he's ranked like a top 30, 35 player. So mm-hmm. he's a good player. Well, that's good. You get to see him against some good competition, yeah. Elijah Page, which is also fantastic. Yeah, Arizona football has gotten a lot better in recent years. Good foot quickness, good agility, good side to side. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about him tonight. We're not going to talk a ton because he's not going to visit until June. And, and mm-hmm. that's that's Notre Dame's fine with that. I like the compete level though here with this kid. Like he's got a lot to learn. He's the kid of the all the players in the group. He's the one that has to get. He's gonna he's gonna be the one that needs the weight room more than the others. I agree. But look at this. This is what I really like though. He's got quick hands. He like you know what I like about Elijah Page Ryan. Like a lot of these other kids that we've looked at tonight, they're real big physical kids, right? And they will lead with their face a lot, which is, I mean, that's kind of what you sort of teach, right? But this kid plays in a little bit more of a finesse offense. He does a, so you see him really using his hands a lot more, which I think helps us see something. He's got really quick hands, moves his feet well. He's just not as naturally powerful as the other guys on the board, which is why we aren't like, this guy's a top 100 player like we think about the other guys on the board. But there's a lot of upside here, a lot of upside with this kid. Yeah, he's a true tackle. He's mm-hmm. he's a true tackle. There's no reason to kind of project him to maybe playing inside, I think. Like this right. is a, if there's a if there's a kid beside Monroe Freeland that is a true tackle, yeah. I think that we talked about tonight, I I think it's him. You're only moving him inside if you're just set at tackle and you want to get him on the field. I mean, that's exactly. that would be the only reason to move him inside. Because I, I would say outside of Monroe, probably just from a, a, a foot quickness perspective, this might be the top kid we've watched tonight. Like this kid can move a little bit. Yeah. And that goes back to what you said, Ryan, that natural tackle aspect of it. And, you know, when I watch him play, too, he's actually seems to be – this line seems to be coached relatively well. I don't know who their line coach is, but, like, they, they kind of have an understanding of what they're doing. Like, they show a good feel for what they're doing, mm-hmm. which I like. He's, he's got to bend a little bit, you know, has a good understanding of, of leverage and angles and all that kind of good stuff. Working outside, using his hand to get that feel inside, lock inside, secure that inside gap, and then get outside. So good. This is good, right? Keeps his butt down, right? Keeps a good base, drives his feet through contact. This guy backs away from him, so it forces him to lift up a little bit. But I mean, he he keeps good pad level out of his stance. I like that. I, I like seeing the extension there too with the yeah. length. Like that's where you can kind of see it right there. Once he's able to lock out early in the rep, yeah. it's like that guy can't recover on him. No, no. Yeah, he, he's got good solid technique. I, I really like how he plays the game. What he just he's like I said, he's the kid that needs the weight room more than the others. You know? Yep, absolutely. Anton, we didn't say he's not powerful, so he's not as powerful as the other guys. And again, it's about projection, right? Because Antoine had said, you know, he said he's not powerful. I can't tell he drove this guy 20 years of feeling. He's kind of being being funny, but it's that's where the projection part comes in, right? Like mm-hmm. if he's he's playing against a 195-pound kid there. Right, you're looking for that punch, that leg drive. It's it, the the effort is there. The compete level is there. I really like this pass set. Uh, yeah, that's it, a good kick yeah. slide right there. That's explosive yeah. out of his stance. Yeah, patient. You, you see that length though. This is what I talk about length. Right, like once he gets that extension, that guy's just that guy's just too short. 
I think on that last one too, they moved Elijah rushing to the other side away from Paige, which makes a little sense. Smart. <laughs> yes. Sid asked uh, Ryan, "Is he a right tackle?" Um, I I think I think he could play either. Honestly, I. Yeah, I, I I think he. I mean, you saw that explosive kick slide. Like I think right. that looks like a left tackle to me. Like I think yeah. he can play both. And I and I think he's a guy that with as I said, he's going to need a lot more weight room work than the others. You're going to see a little bit more explosiveness come out of that too. He's just he's not quite. He doesn't have quite the the pop as the other guys. He's a good he's a good athlete, but his technique his technique helps us is him maximizes athleticism more than the others. That's another good pass set there. He's got the best pass set of anybody yeah. we watched tonight, too. You can see he's been coached well in that area. Yeah. They, pro- they probably throw yeah. the ball a lot more than these we, other teams. We talk about know. playing with good angles and leverage, Ryan. Walk people through why this is not just a good pass set athletically, but why fundamentally, because the patience here is what I really like. Yeah, well, you can tell that he's comfortable in his own skin from an athletic perspective because you can see that outside foot is even with the inside foot. He's not oversetting. What oversetting means basically is I have either not great length or I don't have great foot quickness, so I'm going to open myself to that to that to the sideline, and that's where like, usually when inside moves happen. Mm-hmm. But you can see that he remains patient. His mm-hmm. body's in good position. He's square to the line of scrimmage as long as possible until this kid declares. Then he's just able to punch him to the outside and just. I mean, it's over from there. That kid mm-hmm. has no opportunity to, to work the outside track, and he has no inside track either. Man, I love I love breaking down offensive linemen, by the way. I always tell people, this is my favorite thing, man. This is my favorite thing. Oh, what the heck he's looking at here? Like, he's expecting, like, something to happen inside. Yeah, that's weird. But good recovery, though. And there you see that you see that punch. You see him. Look how quick. This is, this is one of the, the better clips on here of just the hand speed. Like, look how quickly he's able to get from outside and just shoot his hands in. You see that extension. Keeps working was, his feet. Was he was he selling the the play action there? I, like, I don't know. Sure. Like, it looks like he's like, oh yeah, it's pl- run, but yeah. nope, it's and not. It's just weird. real quick, that's Anthony Lucas, by the way. Oh, nice. So the the reason I'm pointing that out is he went against some dudes last year. Sure. <laughs> right? <did. laughs> I mean, Hey, Anthony Lucas is huge. My yeah, he's God. A good football player. You know, this is one of those ones where gets beat off the ball, right? Just technique is bad. I don't know what happened here, but the recovery is is was was I, I did like that. I did like that. That's why I say sometimes kids put someone on a highlight film that they think is a highlight, but it's like that's not really a highlight. <laughs> These high school programs, boy, they got they got like more uniform combinations and some power five teams. Good lord. They sure do. Pinnacle's where uh, Rattler went, right? Spencer Rattler, I believe so, yeah. Uh, and they had another quarterback that went to Michigan. J.D. Johnson or no? Yeah, uh, maybe. I'm trying to remember the guy's yeah. name. Antoine, who was the quarterback from Pinnacle that signed with Michigan a couple years ago, a few years ago? I think it was J.D. Johnson. Don't quote Don't quote me on that, though. This is nice. I like this. Look how quick, quickly he gets off the ball here. This is really nice. I mean, to secure that edge, this is the thing the other guys weren't doing. Right, like they weren't able to get to that outside outside shoulder and just really overtake that. This is a really nice quickness. Yeah, that's an that's understanding an angle right there right. too. But you can understand them angles all you want, Ryan. If you don't have the foot quickness to get there, this isn't a, a contradiction to what you said. It's adding on to it. Absolutely, it's not just that. If you don't have the foot quickness to do that, then that's Deuce Robinson right there. That's man, that's that dude. That guy's a dude. Deuce is a dude, Ryan. 
Deuce is like a, uh, I mean, I'm not comparing him directly, but like he's got that Kyle Pitts feel to him. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Grabbing punches, Kyle Pitts. Like he could end up maybe being a receiver for somebody a little bit. Exactly. Like a hybrid type of guy. Another good angle there. Mm-hmm. Love it. He's a patient blocker. Right, like that right there. Like, look at this twist. Look how look how quickly he recognizes this twist and just gets outside to it. And and patience always tells me, Brian, that you are a good athlete. Like that's you're what confident athlete. Exactly, you're confident in your ability to redirect and work in space if you're patient. Like that's when mm-hmm. the game slows down for you. Yep. This technique's not consistently good, but he has a. I mean, he's a junior in high school. That's a pretty good pretty good idea of what he's doing. Here's an, here's another one. Right, guy tries to go inside. He handles it. I mean, I'd like to see him step a little bit. Like his step down wasn't great, right? Like I really want to see him like step with authority down, right? Yeah, yeah. Post 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 step could be better there, right? But he has an idea. He sees it, right? And that's what I say is like the athleticism is there. I can, you know, if I'm a line coach, I can coach that, right? But I need to know that you've got the awareness and that you you've got the understanding of how to do it. And then look at look look what opens up right? Bam. Look at this big hole. that opens up because he's able to get that guy back handles. His guy. It's a well-coached football team. It really is. It really is. I mean, I, 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 I can tell why coach he is identified this kid so quickly yeah. too. Like it just makes a ton of sense. Like even, even the guys that aren't like future division one players, like they had that first twist we saw, like the guard picked the up the other guy up really well too. Like, well, that's okay. These guys know what they're doing. Well, like you, line coaches. Well, like you said, Arizona football's gotten a little better over the last couple of years, and usually that's coaching has a lot to do mm-hmm. with that. So I like this. This is good quickness getting around the edge here. It's like the guard's going a little too slow for him. It's like, yeah. Come on, man, get going. You must beat him to the spot. Yep. <laughs> but this is why you'll see some teams have that guard take the tackle take a little bit more of a bucket step to try to space this out a little bit better. Like they're they're using the same footwork here, and you're you're just not going to have good spacing there. Good balance, you know. Mm-hmm. Real patient kid, right? Like real patient kid. A little bit of a waste bender in the past game, though. That is the one thing I've seen. And I think, but for him though, I think it's a technical thing. Like, I think, like, look, you're looking at this, he can bend his knees. He's got good flexion there. He's got good flexibility there. I just think he just kind of tends to lean forward a little bit and never gets out of it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I want to see him sit on his butt a little bit more. Even on that pass set, though, you could see how patient is even when a guy's inside his chest. Like, right mm-hmm. there, man, you're like, you can get into a little bit of a quarrel there and like, oh, man, you know, kind of overcompensating. He just stays true to his technique and his athleticism. It's yep. just really nice to see. So that, folks, is Elijah Page from Arizona, from Pinnacle High School. So that's going to be our tackle breakdown. We did have a couple questions, Ryan, that, you, that we wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. Michael Burke with a super chat. Thank you very much for that, Michael. Appreciate it very much. Baker, Morrison, Page, make Arizona a feeder state for Notre Dame. I'd be all for that. I mean, and and they've had good success there in the past. I mean, you know, Cole Luke was from Arizona. And if it wasn't for Brian Van Gorder, Cole Luke was on the verge of being having a really darn good Notre Dame career. Uh, so, you know, I, and we did a thing on this too, Ryan. We were talking one time where if you like 10 years ago, the number of four-star players from the state of Arizona compare that to like the last couple of years, it's, it's significantly better. Because what you're seeing is this is that whole demographics thing we've talked about. You're seeing ki- people from Texas and from California over the last 10, 15 years are moving to Arizona. There's more jobs in Phoenix area. There's more jobs in the Tempe area, things like that. So you're seeing this migration happen there, and that's how it happened. I mean, that's what's happened in the Carolinas. That's what's happened in Georgia. 
you know, it happened in Florida. You know, when you see, it, it, you know, it's like I'm a student of history. It's like, you know, I was watching something the other day. Um, it was a really cool thing about like how the Vikings and the Native Americans like had some clashes like thousands of years ago when there was the land bridge between, you know, Russia and I mean, not Russia, but uh, the, the eastern part of the United States. What, and, what's that? Pan- Pangea, right? Is that Pangea? Yeah, no, a little, little after that. But like, oh, the, gotcha. like, like Russia and the United States used to be connected. Because, mm-hmm. But like the, the land bridges were then eventually overfilled with water. Uh, but like we've always been migratory people, right? Whether it's weather, whether it's following the bison, whether it's following jobs, like that's always the case. And you have to pay attention to that when you come to recruiting and say, you know, why is North Carolina all of a sudden booming? Why is Georgia so much better? Why is not that like the DNA just started getting better. It's just there's more people there. I always like to joke, like, go look at the electoral college numbers of Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan and Illinois back in 1988 and then look at them now and you'll see the same you'll see this this big jump you know the carolinas has gone way up georgia's gone way up florida continues to go up texas is you know going up arizona's going up and it kind of shows you the, just the, the the geographic or you know the population shifts and that's going to impact athletics because it, you're going to see things like this happen over the last 10 years where arizona becomes more and more uh so that was our um our anthropology lesson for the day, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I would I would love to see Notre Dame make Arizona a state that they go try to get a kid or two from every year. I'd, I'd be all for that. Yeah, I, I mean, especially because I mean, you don't want that to be a feeder program to the USC's of the world no. now, right? And yeah. and yeah. Arizona Arizona football is down. Arizona State's right. a mess. Like. There's no reason you can't go That's into there once nice. in a while. Call, calling Arizona down is being very kind. Arizona's awful. Yes. Jeff Fish is yes. in a bad situation there. But he had and a nice recruiting class this year. He though. did. He I'll, really I'll did. Get, I will I give him that. But look, you talk about you talk about like Arizona too. I mean, let's not forget. You could make a case. I don't know if I would make it because I think Travion Henderson's the best back in the country next year. But you can make a case. It's Bijan Robinson. Oh, I, he, I, I, I think it, from? I think it is Bijan. Yeah. I think it is from Bijan. Honestly, he's from Tucson, I, I, right? I think, he's I think he's even better. I think he's even better than Travion, man. Well, he's Bijan's a year ahead special. Of What's that? He's a year ahead of Travion. That's, that's I know part of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but you could make a case. That's what I say. Make a case. I would argue for another guy, but I'm going. Bijan's in that conversation. Another Arizona guy. This so, sounds like a good art, uh, argument, counter-argument type of piece. Point I don't know. Just point? Out the, yeah, uh, see, yeah, yeah, dropping yeah. that. That's one of the new features we're going to have at irishbreakdown.com. We're going to do sort of a point-counterpoint. It's kind of playing off of the old thing that I used to do at Loose Emoji for the magazine, uh, which we love to do. But we're going to actually have a point-counterpoint. So the only thing I didn't love about the point-counterpoints is like we both just kind of set our thing, and it was just like we didn't actually have a counterpoint. We just both had our thing independently. Ryan and I talk football a lot and sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't, but we have these really good back and forth. We're like, Hey, let's, let's give people kind of a glimpse into those conversations. And so we're going to, you know, have once a week, we're going to have an article where we pick a topic that we don't see eye to eye on and just kind of have a point counterpoint point counterpoint. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to doing that. So it's, it's going to be a blast. So I think we're going to have one on the, you know, who should be the number one draft pick. I got to still figure out who I think it would be. I think I know who it would be. And that's why I don't think we're going to be able to do do that because I think we have the same guy. Think is, so? he a, is he a West Coast guy? Sure, pick a West Coast guy that likes to rush the quarterback. It's actually not. It's actually okay. not. Then, let, yeah. then we know what one of our draft point counterpoints are going to be. So I love it, man. I love uh, it. Let, let's do it. So Zach Martin, super chat. 
Uh, appreciate that, Zach, very much. I know there are different. See, how, how can you be named Zach Martin and not know the answer to this question? I'm so disappointed in you, Zach. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know there are differences between tackle and guard for traits you want, but what is the single most important trait, physical tool, et cetera, you look for in an offensive lineman? Well, I'm going to take this two angles, Ryan. Number one, I'm going to say, what's the difference between a tackle and a guard? What's the biggest attribute that I look for between a tackle and a guard? It's being good in space. I have seen guys that are that have every single athletic trait I want in a tackle. They're tall. They're long. They're quick. Lateral quickness but they're just not comfortable in space. Just don't do well in space because it's vision, it's angles, it's all this, it's being on an island and all those type of things. And so it's just being, you know, having all those attributes, but at the end of the day, the thing that can separate a kid that's got all the physical tools to play tackle, but he's going to have to move to guard is that just being able to, to be, to be comfortable playing in space. Yeah. And, and that's why I, I kept talking about flexibility a ton, right? And being a flexible, nimble athlete is why you're more comfortable playing in space. So I think that is the biggest difference, in my opinion. I would say one thing that is definitely consistent across the board is core, is core power, core strength. Like that is, you always need that, man. Cause whether it's playing offensive tackle and being able to sit down and press against a bull rusher, you know, a, a speed to power guy, or it's inside and quick setting a, a 330 pound defensive tackle. You need that core strength, the ability to sit down and anchor against these powerful defensive linemen. So I think core strength is something that goes across the board. Core strength, and there has to be some level of solid agility. And that's the thing we we saw from Notre Dame's right guard this year. He just could not move his feet. And he had good, decent strength, right? And, and, and had some pop in his hands, but he just couldn't move his feet. And yeah. when, when you play at this level... If you can't move, you're you're going to be in trouble. I don't care how big you are or, or how good your technique might be or whatever the case may be. You have to you have to be able to 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 move your feet to to a degree. Now again, tech, technique can can make a guy with okay foot quickness play quicker. But if you don't have some level of foot quickness, you're you just you can't teach that. You know, you just can't teach that. Michael Gardner says, "Does Joe Alt have the kind of punch you were talking about?" Or is he more of a technician? He's so I would say he's more of a timing puncher, mm -hmm. right? Like he's not a overly powerful dude, but I think I do think that Joe has good hands, and I think his timing is relatively solid, especially for a guy that hasn't been playing offensive tackle very long. But he's definitely more of a I don't want to call him true finesse, but like he's more of a finesse player right. than a pure power guy. Like he's a timing. At, like his his and landing we, point. we mean that just so people understand we mean that finesse from not from a like i think sometimes that term it's kind of like game manager quarterback it can be perceived the wrong way we yeah. don't mean it in a in a insulting manner which sometimes it can be that way it's more of just like a he's a he's an angles guy he's a he's a naming point he's a a technique you know use your hands and all that so he's a technician here's the thing i'll say here's the one thing where in most instances, if you're that way, by the time you get to his age, freshman, sophomore, high school, you don't just all of a sudden become more powerful. The one reason he gets a little bit of an asterisk for me is because he has made such a big physical gains in the last year and a half. He went from 240 to 300 plus in like less than like two years. It's crazy. Right. And so sometimes that guy, once his body stops growing, that then there there can become a little bit more power. So I do think there's more power there, but he's not going to turn into Mike McGlinchey, 
you know what I mean, from a power standpoint. But can he be a can he be a guy that where he he can be more a, a more effective mover in another year or two? Absolutely. Not a year or two, like maybe this year or next year. I mean year meaning the upcoming 2022 season or 23 than what he showed on film last year. I I'm more optimistic that there's a chance that he could get that than I would a normal player. Right. Who who didn't have that big? I mean, when he he was a, like a two hundred and forty pound junior in high school playing tight end, then he got up to like two sixty two seventy playing tight end, and then bam, we see him show up in Notre Dame three hundred pounds. So that would be the only the only kind of mm, let me see with him that I would normally not have for a guy that's already over three hundred pounds and starting in Notre Dame. Thoughts on that, Ryan? No, I, I agree completely. I mean, well, I really don't – I'm glad that you caught this. It's not a negative to say that he's right. more of a – passive is definitely not the right word, but like a, a more of a, a a guy that sets up with athleticism and clean timing because, I mean, honestly, the best left tackle of my lifetime that I've watched a ton of is Joe Thomas. And Joe mm-hmm. Thomas wasn't like an extremely powerful puncher. He was technically just so right. good, man. Like his landing points, his aiming points – or consistent across the board. And I see that with Joe. I'm not comparing him to Joe Thomas. Right. I'm just saying. It's a stylistic comparison is what exactly, it is. Exactly. Right. He's a finesse tackle, and there's nothing wrong with that. Ronnie David Stanley Pops was that way. Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley was not a power player. He was a finesse player yep. in, in, in the complimentary sense of the word. Mike McGlinchey was a power player. Sure. Where did Mike McGlinchey get in trouble? It was when he faced some speed on the edge. But if you wanted to get in a phone booth and play with Mike McGlinchey, you were not going to win that battle. Right. Joe Walt is going to is going to thrive in the areas where Mike McGlinchey didn't. But then you wonder, like, OK, can he move people the way that Mike McGlinchey did as of right now? No. But I just really feel like. I want to see kind of how he develops, because, number one, I've already kind of put certain like time limitations on Joe Walt that he's already kind of proven me I shouldn't have done. But I really feel like that projection, because I always thought he was going to be a guy that would need two, three years before he's going to be ready to play. So I still feel like there's that that physical that strength growth might catch up to his weight growth a little bit. That's kind of what I want to see. I don't disagree because he, he's put on clean weight right now, right? right. Like it, it's it's not like well, he just put on a bunch of bad weight. Right. Sid Irish said he's six eight three ten as a skinny. I don't know if he's six eight, and I don't know if he's three ten, but he's definitely at least six six, and he's definitely three hundred plus pounds. And to your point, Ryan, you saw him up close and personal. You had your first chance to see him in person. Well, at least that close in person. You saw him a bit in person last year for a game, but like that close yep. in person, he's a still a pretty thin kid. Yes. I mean, he's he's just like broad shoulders. He's a big kid. You know, you see that that DNA because his dad made a similar change. I think his dad went to Iowa as a tight end mm-hmm. and then grew into a tackle, became an NFL, like played in the NFL for like 10 years, right? Similar type of situation. So yeah, uh, certainly, certainly has the the genes to be that kind of guy. So Zach Martin's here making excuses, Ryan. So <laughs> he says it's not his fault; it's wrong spelling. So mm-hmm. sure, Zach. You know, listen, we don't make excuses here. This is an LSU, right? We don't make excuses here. So um, I'm just kidding, Zach. I appreciate you, uh, Brian Crawdaddy. How do y'all? How do you tell if a player is more likely to be a tackle versus guard? I mean, all these guys are six five, three hundred pounds. Just we kind of talked a little bit at different times, right? Just kind of wrap it up. Just what are the two or three main things you say, like to make you think that a guy's from a tackle for a guard? And I want to make this clear: when we want to use that expression, it's about a it's it's a the positive manner. If we're talking about a guy needs to move to guard because he can't move like a tackle, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Now, if it's a length thing like Sam Pendleton, 
then that's a different story. But you don't want a guy that's like stiff and he can't play tackle and all of a sudden he's just going to become an elite guard. That That's a little harder to project. It's more about the positive. So give us some couple things that you look for and say, hey, like Absher, why do you view Absher as a guard? Why do you view Jagasaw's J- Jagusa as a guard? I did it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, for some of those guys, it's just the ability to unlock power. How do you do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so like a Sullivan Absher, for instance, I love the pad level he plays with, but I just love the pop in, in down block situations and just playing in tighter spaces. Mm-hmm. It's not that he can't navigate space. Well, I think he can, but like you saw with Elijah Page, when we took a look at him, for instance, right? He is such a patient player because he has the length, he has the foot quickness. And he has flexibility and Absher has a lot of those things too, but I just think he's comfortable playing in tighter quarters. And that's why like, there's a guy that's coming out in the draft this year, Darian Kennard out of Kentucky, who is six, five, three twenty plus 34 plus inch arms from a style, from a a physical perspective. He is a tackle. He hits every threshold, but when you watch him play, he's playing in tight spaces. He is mauling dudes. He's short setting. That is what he wants to do. He wants to play in tight quarters. A lot of times it's not the physical limitations that make you move inside. Like Brian kind of said, it's how they play the game. It's a disposition. It's a play style. So those are some of the things. If you, if you excel playing in larger, larger space, that's a tackle trait easy, right? If you Mm -hmm. excel playing in tight quarters and unlocking power, that's an interior player to me, to the most basic instances. There's a lot of things that go along with that. Flexibility will help playing outside, of course. Core strength is across the board. Just comfortability by my foot quickness perspective, patience. There's a lot of things that go into it, but the most dumbed down version that I gotta say is the fact of like, do you want to play in tight space or do you are you a guy that is patient enough that you can play right. in expanded space? And and as you said, sometimes it's a physical thing, sometimes it's a demeanor thing. It's also about finding where a guy is most comfortable. And that's gonna be a key. I, I thought Josh Lowe coming to high school had the athleticism to play tackle. The question was, he didn't pass block a whole lot. Came from a, a run, run heavy offense. Josh just never seemed super comfortable in space, even before the injury set in. Even in 2019, he was effective at tackle, but he just never looked super comfortable, you know, just playing on an island. Some guys just aren't that way, no matter even if they have the traits to do it. Ethan O'Connor, I'm curious on the arm length of these linemen compared to Keon Keeley. It's a great question. Keon Keeley is why it's important for guys. Keon Keeley is one of those guys, man. When he gets up, Vernon and Jason Moore, all of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When Keon Keeley gets to about 250, 260, and he could just long arm you into the back, like it's over, man. Like one arm is longer than two. Like that is the biggest. When you like pull a hamstring, coach, hammy. And Ethan, there's no, there's no perfect answer because I actually, I obviously have not measured these players' arm length, but I would say. Keon Keeley's arms are well over 34 inches. Like I would yeah. say he's probably close to a 35 inch arm length, he, which is I just think absurd. Just physical observation. He's in, he's going to be in that Adi Takumba Ogundiji Khalid Kareem length to me. Yeah. 35 plus. Yeah. yeah like yeah. some crazy number. Yeah. I, I would say Monroe Freeling is probably right around 34. Jagasaw is probably right around 34. They each have really good length. Elijah Page is probably close to that. I would say 33 and a half, maybe somewhere in that ballpark. in that ballpark too. I don't think he's yeah. quite as long as those other guys. Yeah. They're, they're probably sub 34, but they're, they're both passable for offensive tackles. Today. None of those guys lack the length to play tackle. In my opinion, none of them, Absher, page J- Jagusa, none of them, none of them are, are guys we may project inside because of their size or length. None of them. They can all physically 
lengthwise, athleticism-wise, on my opinion, play on the edge, they're, they're, which is why we talked about him in in tonight's show. There's no doubt. But I'll tell you what, man, we, we'll have, we're going to have a D-line show coming up here pretty soon too. <laughs> and we talk about length. Good Lord. It is a noticeable F concerted effort from Marcus Freeman since he's been at Notre Dame. You look at Tyson Ford, Aiden Gobira, Josh Burnham, Nolan Ziegler, who I've told today has already grown like a half an inch since he got to Notre Dame. Um, no, you know, a lot of these, there's just even Jalen Sneed, who's only six, one and a half is really long. Length is important to him. And I think that now that Al Golden's here, it's going to even be more so because NFL guys crave length on defense because it's a counter to what we've talked about with offensive linemen. If I got a bunch of short arm defensive players, guess what? I'm going to get eaten up and swallowed all the time with these long offensive linemen. So both, both sides of the ball are just looking receiver corner. I mean, it's everywhere. You're just looking for length in today's game. It didn't used to be like that. I mean, back when it was a run game was like the thing wasn't quite as important, you know, because it was just, I mean, you didn't need super length to down block and drive block and open up holes for Emmett Smith. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it was just a little different, a little different animal than it is today. Toe Jam 1992, is there a specific thing that Harry Heastan teaches better than other O-line coaches or does he just teach everything well? It's a little bit of both, in my opinion. Number one, I just think he does everything. Is I mean, some guys are just wicked smart and good at their job. But I think Harry Heastan has an obsession with playing the game uh, from a fundamentally sound standpoint and playing it with a certain demeanor. Whereas a lot of offensive line coaches don't have that same obsession. They'll, they'll let you get away with certain things because you're this or you're that, or you're, you know, it's more scheme oriented. Like Kerry Heastan, I'm going to tell you all right now, he does not give two craps about the scheme or the play call other than I need to know what te technique and leverage points and aiming points. And, you know, but it, it's all about how to play the game. When I, when I was, was talking to him, you know, I asked him that question about Chris Watt. He's like, I, he knows how I want them to play the game. Right. And, and it's, it's an obsession. And I think that's a good thing. That's not an insult. That's a compliment. And the attention to detail that he instills in his players. I mean, there's one time Robert Haynes, me, Haynes, he was telling me the story how he had brought like the wrong jacket, like, and it wasn't like necessarily required by whatever, but it was for what Harry had wanted something and Robert didn't bring it exactly the way he wanted it. So he made him go back to his dorm. And get, I mean, just everything is like, this is exactly how it is. And I think in a lot of position, in a lot of positions in football, that can be a detriment. The one place where that is so important is offensive line. And, you know, and I think that's what makes him so good is, and then also he can teach it at a high level, right? Like, I mean, some people are just naturally gifted at certain things. I mean, they just are. And Harry Heastan is just a just a really wicked smart guy when it comes to coaching the offensive line. He's very demanding too, and that's a part of it as well. Garen Nutson says, and this is what we'll kind of – I think we're going to end it here, right? I don't know if there's been any more questions pop up here since we got here, but uh, I think we're going to wrap it up with this here. Uh, let's get down here. Okay, so the question from Garen Nutson says, can Emil Wagner make the same stride as all? And that's a really good question question here's so here, here this because this was asked a lot when we were when we were talking about when i was talking about i'm gonna put this on you because you weren't part of this conversation you weren't part of uh, you weren't part of the recruiting staff just yet but when emil wagner picked notre dame you know i talked look the, the upside is there the kid got a five-star upside grade the reason i'm not as confident in emil wagner as i am joe alt is because with emil with joe alt you saw the frame was always there it's just how quick, how long will it take him to grow into it? The frame was always there. 
That's why I love Joe Alton. They got him. With Emil, when I look at him, I don't see a frame that I can definitely point to and say, that guy's going to fill out no problem. And, and that's really what it comes down to. So can he make the same strides? Yes, he can. I'm just not as sold that he will. But if he can, then he's got a chance to be a good player. Because the one thing, and we didn't really break down, like, you know, this is kind of new how we're diving into this board because I just – I don't like doing these kind of things by myself, and they're just not as much fun. The back and forth is better. So we didn't do a ton of this with last year's class. But the thing – it's funny. I think Harry Heastan would have loved a kid like Emil Wagner if he was recruiting him. Because the one thing about Emil is he is a physical kid. I mean, he competes and, yep. and he's athletic and and there's nothing negative about his game. I love his game. That's why it's a five-star upside. It's just I'm not sold that he's going to be able to, to fill that out and be 290 plus because he doesn't have to be 305. He's a he's got some punch. Like I think he can play. It's a lot like Robert Hainsey. Robert Hainsey could play at 290 like other guys could play at 305, right? And and I think Emil can be that guy. He's he's just got to get to like that to be able to be at two ninety plus and be able to still move and have the you know the the flexibility and the athleticism that he has now. If he can do that, he's got a chance to be special. I'm just not sold, Ryan, that he can get there. That's the only question mark I have with Emil Wagner at this point. That's it. Only yeah. One. one of the big things you talk in the scouting circles for NFL draft stuff is about body typing. That's a big conversation point. It's like it's you know is a guy going to be able to put on a substantial amount of weight if you're projecting him to do that. Joe Walt, for me, seeing him up close, he's got broad shoulders, he's got broad hips. That's where you're going to be able to add both to his upper and lower body. Emil Wagner, I mean, I texted Brian one of the first things when I started. I was like, if they, actually, before I even started, it was like at an all-star game. I'm just like, yeah. God, kid looks like a defensive end. Like, he's right. just it's thin everywhere. So. Right. The similar thing happened with Nicholas Petit Freer out of Ohio, out of Ohio State. He put on the weight, but I don't think his body's suited to be right. three ten. Like I just don't think it is. I don't even think it's suited to be over three hundred. To be honest, right. so he should have been what we talked about. He should have been like two ninety to two ninety five, yep. and focus on his athleticism. And that's why I will take this to my grave. If Harry Heastan would have stayed in college, that kid would have been a top ten NFL draft pick. It's fair uh, because. He lost the athleticism that made him a five-star player at Ohio oh. State because he he went past that point of no return from your body standpoint, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the problem that he had because once your feet slow down, it does it, it, just dropping fifteen pounds doesn't automatically slow him back up. Some right. kids it does, but for some it doesn't. And I think he lost the flexibility, he lost the foot quickness, the things that made him such a special player. I think Notre Dame would have been much more comfortable with him eventually getting to three hundred. Look, Zach Martin didn't get, didn't get to three hundred till his last year at Notre Dame. Robert mm-hmm. Haynes, he never got to 300. He didn't get to 300 till the draft, right? I mean, some guys just don't get there. But you that's what I love about Matt Bayless. Matt Bayless is not obsessed with you need to get to this weight. It's you need to be able to play like a guy at that weight. Jason Adamiola doesn't have to be 300 to play like a, a guy bigger than him because he's quick, he's powerful, and all that kind of stuff. There's a level he needs to get to 285, but he doesn't need to be 300 pounds. Some guys do, right? And 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 that's the thing about Emil Wagner. He doesn't have to be 300. If he can just get to 290 and still move, he's got a chance to be really good. Because the length is is. I mean, talk about a guy with long arms. I mean, that guy's that that kid's got really long arms. He and then that's the other thing. He looks a lot. He looks like he he looks more like Khalid Kareem than he does Ronnie Stanley, right? Yeah. Like just yeah. that's that's the deal. He looks more like that. You know, you know, broad shoulders but thin. 
here, long arms. Like you said, looks like a defensive end. He doesn't get bigger. He'll, he'll be good. So yeah, I agree. Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining tonight, everybody. You've been at it for a while. You had a draft podcast before this, so you've been you've been at it for a while. But uh, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's always funny. These crowds are always smaller, you know, because these are the film room junkies. These are the diehards. These are, these are my people right here. So I appreciate all y'all being a part of the show tonight. It was a lot of fun. Uh, love talking O-line film. Make sure that you've, you've hit the notification bell. So you got to smash that like button, right? Hit the subscribe uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell because whenever we decide we're going to do the show, we'll we'll start it up, get it set, and you'll get a notification sent to you that hey, Irish Breakdown is going to restart a show. So you definitely got to do it. And if you haven't signed up for the message board, get on it. Okay, we're having a lot of great conversation. Had a big recruiting intel piece that I put up at like two o'clock in the morning last night, Ryan. It's uh, about seven or eight pages long now in responses. So you're going to want to make sure you take care of uh, getting on that as well. So, and we're going to have some uh, fun things coming up this summer for subscribers that uh, Ryan and I just had a conversation about that. We're going to start on. It's going to be something that's a first that I was breakdown that I'm very, very excited about. So you are not going to want to miss out on that. So um, you can find that at boards at Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. Check out our the Built Bar deal. Irish Breakdown is the promo code to use to get 10% off all of your Built Bar, Built Bar stuff. And, of course, always check out the stuff in the merch. You want to get one of our flags, get a coffee mug, hats, hoodies, all this stuff. Except for Ryan's T-shirt, a lot of this stuff you can buy at the Irish Breakdown merch store. So check all that out. But more importantly, have a great, great rest of your night. And we will talk to you again very soon. Thank you all so much for joining the Irish Breakdown podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.